You're listening to SAS Nordic, the sassiest podcast in the Nordics. Hi, I'm Daniel. And I'm Thomas. And we are experienced SaaS professionals that are curious about how other successful SaaS companies go to market, scale, build winning teams and great products. Join us on our journey as we speak to Nordic SaaS leaders trying to get hold of their secret sauce. And today's guest is Christina Tamara Grigorie, Product Director at Verdane. You want to build a teams that are really able to fully understand what's the business goals they're trying to improve, what's the product goals, and, and they can go ahead and do that. It's time for another episode of the SaaS Nordic podcast. And today we're going to have a product focus, which I am really excited about. And what about you, Daniel? What does the sales guy say about this? I mean, how difficult could it be to just build yet another feature? I never understood it. It's just a few lines of code. So I'm hoping I'll find out today. Yeah, and imagine if you just could, you know, building that great product, uh, get rid of the technical debt uh, and not having to take into account that special feature that sales guy promised that customer that <laughs> is not really in the ICP, but it's the end of the quarter and, and uh, now the deal needs to go in. Well, there's a lot of things uh, to say about aligning business strategy, product strategy, and, and how to work with your product. And we're going to get a bit into that later this episode. Um, otherwise, a lot of things going on here at SAS Nordic. We are um, planning for our SAS's digital event in the fall. It's going to be September 27th. Check that out. SASDigital2022.com. You can read about the speakers and we're going to publish new information all the time here moving forward. So, um, that's about that. But I think we let's get on with the show, right? Let's do it. Can't wait. Here we go. Today, we are very happy to have Christina, product director at Verdane here as a guest in the SAS Nordic podcast. So welcome, Christina. How are you today? Thank you, guys. Great to be here. Uh, and thank you for having me. I'm doing really good. A bit nervous on my first uh, podcast, but otherwise... Uh, Excited to be in such great company. You know, being a little bit nervous is good because then you're like a little bit extra sharp and so on. But you'll quickly realize that there's nothing to be nervous about. We, if I may say it myself, we're pretty cool and fun guys. You'll have lots of fun here. <laughs> and we're happy to to dive into the product domain again here. And uh, uh, maybe you could start to tell us a little bit about yourself and your background into product. So uh, what have you been doing in your career? Yes, I've been now working within product and technology for over 15 years. I started as software engineer and during my university years in studying computer science in Romania, where I'm from, I quickly realized that I was more interested in, in figuring out more the competitive analysis, markets, customers, the ins and outs of, of why you build the products rather than how you build them. Uh, so that's that's what got me to transition into product management. So I I started product management in one of the largest um, web hosting companies in Europe. Um, had the opportunity to work with great um, with a great manager and leader and and a great team within their SaaS uh, business for their web hosting customers and a lot of the uh, and that shaped a lot my thinking around. Um, the complexity of, of really building products and, and how you have to always consider the return on investment, your customers, your, your business, your, the value you're creating, the feasibility, 
uh, your stakeholders and kind of move that with me through various roles. Um, I've did, I had some stunts as project manager, consulting with uh, consulting companies into building their own uh, products first time. And um, that led me into another um, learning experience um, as uh, part of Gelato for four and a half years. Um, okay scaling their product and fulfillment uh, platform. And for those that are not familiar with Gelato, um, uh, this is a, a web to print global platform now, um, a, <laughs> with a unicorn status since, uh, since last year. When I joined them, uh, we were three product managers, somewhere between 30, 40 people totally in the company moving from uh, offering a B2C uh, product into a B2B SaaS product and then throughout this time also moved into becoming a global platform, expanding our teams from, in my case, from 13 engineers to five different uh, teams and, and overall into a global operational uh, business. Lots of learnings from, from there that I'm really excited to take with me in my current role as product director in, um, in Verdane. Yeah, exactly. And we, that's a really cool, uh, cool story and, and fantastic background. So now you're with Verdane specifically with the team called Elevate. What can you tell us about Elevate and your role there? Um, I can start maybe telling briefly about Verdane, just to give the context of the role. So Verdane is a, a European growth investment uh, partner with over 20 years experience in, in, in investing and helping uh, companies um, uh, grow and become market leaders, both within SaaS and, and B2C. And as Verdane comes and joins and partners with a company, uh, usually comes, of course, with capital, which is so much needed during a growth phase, with uh, growth expertise, uh, but um, also with an operational team, and that's Verdane Elevate, uh, a team of now, as we have this podcast, around 30 members with operational or consultancy expertise in different uh, areas. Uh, that we are available to and uh, involved in supporting our portfolio companies to to succeed, whether it is within customer uh, success, data analytics, marketing, operations, product, and, and technology. So we either leverage our own personal experience, uh, and but all, we also leverage the 100 plus portfolio companies we have and their own their their own stories and and lessons learned and best practices yeah so you have quite a toolbox to uh, to uh, to dig from or to play with yes exactly and and a toolbox that has developed uh in a very short period of time and very much driven by the needs uh we see in our company so as a product director my my role is to um interact with the product leaders in our portfolio companies and, and help them tackle uh, various challenges they have as they try to both grow their product functions and their product teams. All right, that must be very stimulating. It is a lot of fun. Yeah. It is a lot of fun first and foremost, and, and it's a fantastic opportunity to get to learn from 
so many companies at the same time. Absolutely. And now we're going to take the opportunity to learn from you, to extract some of those goodies and experiences that... that uh, oh, Thomas has been waiting for this. Yeah. <laughs> now where the nerve, nerves come in. <laughs> right there. No, but let's, let's jump, uh, jump right into it. So what do you see most growth and scale-up companies struggle with when it comes to the product side? So both based on my personal experience, uh, but uh, from interacting with, uh, I guess now over 20 companies um, in in our portfolio, um, what I I encountered the most is this struggle for the organizations to figure out what they should build next. And it's mostly... uh, being able to align their growth goals and and growth opportunities with what the product teams are actually working working on. So I guess companies would not phrase it like that. Uh, They would see it in different shapes and forms. Um, It might be that their product team suddenly have a roadmap with 100 features aligned for the next three years and and trying to prioritize across those. Um, Or they, uh, they might have features until the next of this quarter, and then they don't really know where the company is heading next quarter, so they don't know what they're going to work on. Um, They might have um, their CTO wanting to do a lot of platform changes and a lot of uh, technical depth catch up, and they can't really push that agenda through. Um, And... And I've also heard phrases like, we just want to know what are the features to deliver on in order to, to reduce churn. So, so that's kind of how you um, experience that in, in a company, this, uh, this challenge of, of really knowing what the next big bets are. Um, how do you prioritize the short term versus the long term? And how do you... Um, keep in balance technology changes with uh, business growth opportunities. Okay. Yeah. And why do you believe... So I totally understand this is a big challenge. Uh, but why do you believe that this challenge occurs in the first place? I mean, in a perfect world, everybody would be aligned. This is who we are as a company. This is what we're bringing to the market. Go ahead and build a product that fits our story and meets those needs. Um First of all, I think this is a challenge that every company has. Uh, it, it's, so it's not necessarily about how do you avoid the challenge. It's more how you navigate it into a, a next into a next stage. But I think a lot to do might have with the growth journey of the company. So up until you have your product market fit, you have a small product team, maybe the CEO or one of the co-founders is leading the product, has everything in his head about what needs to be done next. The sales teams are running to to sign customers. The customer success teams are running to keep customers, uh, customer retention. There's a few numbers you want to get up and and everybody is focused on that. And then you get your mar- uh, product market fit. And then and you are in a place where you have the opportunity to grow. You might get Vordanian and other companies to invest in you. So now you also have the funds to grow. And there's all this growth 
opportunities uh, and directions ahead of you. And, and this is where a disconnect happens. The sales team will, will, will scale and they will have a sales strategy. The, <laughs> the other teams will scale and have their own strategy and the product team is left somewhere. Uh, some are trying to figure out how they support all these strategies at, at, the, same, at the same time. And that function in a way doesn't scale um, as it should at the same time. Now we want to take the opportunity to learn from, from your experiences and your interactions with the portfolio companies and all of that. So what do you see companies struggle with that, are, that is in a scale-up phase when it comes to the product side? Companies struggle with many things and, uh, they, uh, and, and that varies a lot from the growth phase where, where they are, of course. But what I've encounter both in my experience and and in the companies that I'm working with right now is that a challenge that they try to overcome is aligning the business goals and the growth goals with what the product teams really are are working uh, on so typically that would uh, manifest itself in a company through the fact that a product team now has a roadmap of 100 features over the next three years and doesn't really know what to prioritize next, or that um, um, CTO has all this backlog of technology debt and, and technology changes that need to happen and they never get, get prioritized, uh, or that the customer success team feels that there's these five important features that we need to deliver right now, but then the product teams don't don't feel the same. So, so this disconnect is um, is blocking many companies to to understand what are really the next growth bets we should we should take, and it typically it kind of comes out of a three parts problem if I would try in a way to put a framework on this. Please, please do. <laughs> I love frameworks. Yeah. <laughs> so one of them, as I mentioned, is, is the overall alignment. Um, how do you get product teams to understand where the company is going? I think the other one is um, accountability. Um, how do product teams understand what their part is in that growth, uh, what role they play, and how you keep them accountable for, for delivering on that growth part. And, and the third part is autonomy. What do these teams need in order then, once given a direction and, and once clarifying their part in the growth, figure out best how they then they they help with that growth and have the all the tools all the skills in a way and, and all the data access to uh, to execute on on that so a central part of this uh, exercise and framework is obviously your product strategy and there's many opinions about what that is like how would you define product strategy the simplest definition of uh, of strategy is Bridging vision with execution. I think uh, that is how you typically frame it. I guess what's important maybe to talk about is um, what what is the role of a product strategy, because uh, then how you shape that and, and what you have in that depends then very much from, from each company. But 
at the core of it, the product strategy should enable your product teams to know where the company is going and give them the necessary information for them to make decisions how I'm going to build the product in order to optimize for customer value and for the business growth. It should allow them to understand what are the big bets for the next years, uh, why why do we believe in these bets, um, how does success look like then for the company, what's my part in playing that, that success, um, is my product and my product team um, well positioned to support that, and then what needs to happen working backwards from where the company wants to be in the next two years, what's everything that needs to happen up until today uh, in order for us to to support that. Um, It starts with, of course, the company's vision. um, And um, many companies have their vision, and it's good to review that regularly, understand, has anything changed in that vision? Will that impact the teams? Um, and then it goes down in, into all the work, looking at your customers, uh, ideal customer profile, market trends, uh, competition, what has changed since we last time looked at it. And, and then put all that information into a context to decide how you grow, how you grow further. Um, the one, one part that, um, it's always good to look at or arrive experience that brings a lot of aha moments is reviewing your ideal customer profile and, and segmenting that even, even more. So your teams, uh, um, not all your customers thrive with your product. So understanding which segment really thrives with your product and which segments are struggling, that's, for example, a good starting point to to inform your your product strategy right the other one though is to really understand how you want to grow your business because if you have a high churn rate most probably you have a product market fit but you still need to optimize on that right your you, you still need to work on delighting your customers so a lot of your product strategy and what your product teams will work on have to go into that part of the product but if you have um, high retention rate and, and then great customer satisfaction, and this is your time for you to grow your product, right? Do you grow, grow into the customer base 1000x? That might probably push your teams to invest more in scaling capabilities, in freemium strategy or, or, or things like that. Whereas if you want to grow um, in within expanding the product market fit further for the existing customers, that's more innovation. Or if you want to expand it within new ideal customer profiles, that's already a lot of discovery that have to happen. And if you don't have this clarified as a company and you try to go into all directions, that then becomes quite challenging to figure out how to move then then forward. So this would be two as an example, two uh, elements that you want to clarify as part of that strategy, and that already already brings a lot of uh, support for the teams to understand then how do I prioritize the short-term versus the the long-term. Right. So for somebody like myself that I'm in sales, and in sales there are different methodologies 
as to how to run your sales cycles, whether it's medic or bant or whatever it is. Is there something like that for running a product strategy as well? Here are the two, three frameworks that are most common to run in a SaaS company. What I would advise um, here, because I don't want to be prescriptive, is that you... uh, you try to figure out, uh, first of you try to figure out what exactly works for, for your, your type of company and your type of, of product. Um, there are a lot of frameworks out, uh, out there, both in how to define your strategy, offense versus defense. There's frameworks around what's the game we're playing and, and how we're winning at it. There's companies that go into the North Star metrics. Uh, there's companies that use OKR. So these are all type of um, methodologies or frameworks that, that um, you can utilize in order to describe your strategy uh, but it depends very much on uh, at which stage your company is and, and war- what works best for for you yeah and besides finding you know um, a framework that suits you and your company is there other success factors you see when it comes to ownership or execution or so that you want to point out so part of the strategy is um, the roadmap, and and this is also um, a topic where uh, we discuss a lot with with uh, I discuss a lot with my peers in this uh, in these companies, and I know it in the product management space. There's a broader discussion around what's a roadmap, and and how that has been hijacked over the years into becoming a backlog. So first of all, so so maybe we could uh, deep dive a bit into that topic. Sure. So I can start by asking you first, since you both have experience with uh, <laughs> SaaS uh, companies, what's a roadmap for you? Oh, here we might have different answers to this one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for, for me, and I guess I wear the sales hat here, um, at all the companies I represented where I was on the revenue side in charge of the revenue, the roadmap is from my perspective at least, an internal but also an external tool to show the direction of where the company is going in terms of what needs are we going to meet out there on the market. So we would use that in order to tell our sales teams and stuff, this is where our company is going, where whether it's serving a particular field or a particular type of customer, solving a particular uh, type of problem and so on but it, it was a way to beef up the story so it's not about the features and functions it is about the story and the vision where we're going as a company uh, and the same story was told to uh, the external to the audience to the customers and prospects and so on so it's not something like say here's the 100 features that you will get in the next 12 months but this is where we're going as a company if, if, if it's important for you to solve these things better and better over the next 12 months, we might be a good match for you, but it's not something you should list specifically. Here are the 12 features that you're going to get if you sign with us now. That's such a good answer. I don't think I could have answered it better my, myself. Yes. 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 Uh, Th- Thomas tried to trump that. Well, 
I think I'm going to be uh, the bad boy here a little bit. Then I think this is uh, all, all all good and nice, um, but 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 also a little bit from from the um, from the customer perspective. I, I think you also want to know that uh, the company and the, the solution you have invested in uh, really also have a plan and have a sort of velocity when it comes to to um, uh, delivered on the promise when it comes to new functionality. So uh, I'm not that feature afraid that that, that I think uh, a lot of, of companies are. Uh, and I, I don't know why, you know, it, everyone talks about value and no one wants to talk about features. And I almost want to challenge that a little bit because when I sit there and I use my stuff and I want to do that super mass update, I want to have the mass update feature. I don't care about, you know, some value proposition that is, is not, uh, that is more vague. So, uh, yeah, I'm a little bit more of a feature man myself, I, I must admit. And uh, I think it's, uh, it's important also to be able to, to um, present uh like a, a, a strong uh, timeline of when when we can uh when you can expect uh, new features to come Th thomas I'm, I'm actually ready to to agree with you as well because i, I think Definitely depends on where, where you are on your journey as a company, but we both sat in deals with people on the other side of the table. So like, this is great guys, but if I don't have this uh, feature, this integration or whatever it is, there is no deal. I think it came back to what you said, Christina. You talked about these five customer success people. They have these features that is super important for some customers and so on. And, and of course, everything needs to be weighted. You, you need to think about where you want to go as a company and the direction and everything. But then you also have these, you know, uh, sometimes very vital problems that needs to be solved for the customers. And, uh, but only for the customers that are right for you. Yes, that's that that's correct. Only for the customer that are right for your growth strategy. Um, but both answers are are really really great, and it kind of I, I asked you because it shows in a way um, the challenge with um, from product perspective to try to answer all these questions with with roadmaps and. More often than not, we, we see that um, the feature roadmap, that roadmap where you have the deadlines and you have the list of features and the product teams are, are measured on, on their uh, what they ship and where they ship. And, and there's even a saying on that, uh, say do, the, the ratio on, on how much you ship versus that what you said you ship. The focus on that, the focus on that is is the driver on, on what you put on, on, on your roadmap. But the roadmap itself, it's, it's again, it's, it's a tool to tell a story, as you both uh, well, um, well put it, uh, to tell a story on how you get from where you are today to where you want, you decided to be in, in your strategy. So it always has a context. So one, you, once you give it that, that context, context and the way you want to frame it it is up to you if you have a really good understanding of all the features that you want to deliver because you have done your your homework and your discovery and you have nailed down that through your experiments that these are the five features then 
go ahead. You can put those features there. There's no one saying that um, that's that's not great. But if you don't have the context of what you're trying to solve and, and only present the features, that that's where sort of that disconnect back to the uh, business growth uh, targets comes. So what I've seen great in many teams now, um, uh, which I didn't use previously, but I thought that it was really smart. They use this approach of, of now, um, next, and later. So that, again, you have the context. You have whether there's objectives and key results. There's product goals you have set up for, for yourself that you're held accountable for. You have that as your starting point. But now becomes a lot on the things you have already identified that you want to deliver on and you can be really specific about it. You also need your sales team and your marketing team to be aligned with you when, when you're going to release that. You, you can't just come overnight and tell them, oh, we have this feature now live, go ahead and, and, and sell it. Um, but you also want to show in the now, in a way, all the discovery work you're, you're doing, um, what are the problems you're trying to solve um, and then in next and later, you, you can become a bit more vague because you don't know that much about it. You have more of the problem scope or the opportunity scope that you're looking at. So that approach, I think, um, I found it quite, uh, quite smart to balance that need between how, what, what are we delivering now, what I can sell next to our customers, what I can promise uh, with... Uh, what are the product goals and the business goals that we we're trying longer term to to achieve? Yeah, that makes sense. PR and communication are the keys to building awareness for your company. You want to make sure you reach the right people with the right message at the right time. My Newsdesk is a smart PR platform where you can manage all your communication efforts in one place. My Newsdesk makes it easier for companies of all sizes to create awareness and build relations with the people that matter the most to you. Don't make PR harder than it needs to be. Visit mynewsdesk.com to start your free trial. We also wanted to talk in just a second here how to scale the teams that are behind the roadmaps here in product strategy and so on. But just before we do that, I have a quick question, yes or no question. <clears throat> Public roadmaps, yes or no? Why not? <laughs> Again, if um, if you um, so, just to clarify, maybe for for everyone, what a public roadmap is, to make sure that I have the right understanding, it's a roadmap that you either share you share outside the company, either with your customers or your investment team or your uh, yeah. Yeah, and if, there's many great companies doing doing that, having public roadmaps. Um, and most of them utilize this, this approach, being very specific about the immediate features that they're working on and being more vague about the next features, but um, showing the user what type of problems they're trying to solve or opportunities. So in your case, Thomas, with uh, this, um, was that like a mass bug update or, or something? I don't remember what was it, right? The problem would be increased efficiency in, 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 uh, in efficiency and adoption, right? The problem would be increased efficiency for uh, 
using uh, using the tool, which at the end of the day for the company internally, it's it's uh, it's helping them to grow, um, to increase their adoption rate. Great. Uh- so you have been a part of growth journeys here. You mentioned with Gelato and so on, and you're also working with, with many, many companies that, that are in this phase. So what are the typical challenges when you grow a product team? Apart from the, uh, how we prioritize what we, <laughs> what we put on the roadmap. I mean, it could be organizational-wise. When do you come to a certain level where you need new roles or uh, Maybe not all companies, usually they maybe start with a CTO or so that's, that they are responsible both for, for product management and development and then maybe you separate those organizations or, yeah, what, what, what do you see when you grow the organization? Now that you mentioned that, I, I think I can start first and foremost to, uh, uh, to share my belief that uh, you succeed with growing uh, product teams e- if you have someone that can look dedicatedly after those product teams. Um, and again, if we come back to the growth journey, um, most of the product teams start as one or two products, uh, one, one or two teams, and then they report to the CTO, or then maybe they report to the CEO, and then uh, one of the product managers uh, becomes a senior product manager and then maybe head of the head of the product. And they might not have the experience of growing and scaling and coaching those teams and driving that type of alignment uh, with the rest of the organization uh, from before. Um, and I think um, if you identify these challenges that I mentioned before in, in your company, that's a good time to to think about bringing in someone that can dedicately grow, scale and coach the product team. That's typically a CPO or can also be a VP of product. Um, you can look for that role. Like in any scale-up, uh, you're successful if you bring someone that has been through that journey before, has a lot of the pattern recognition and the frameworks and, and can uh, um, and can hit the ground running. Um, but if you don't have, uh, if you don't find that person, because there's also the cultural aspect, and if you decide to grow that leadership role from within, uh, consider how you're going to coach that person to move up from being a, a individual contributor to being a manager team lead and even have an executive role if they're going to be a, a CPO. Um, that moves a lot of focus from writing user stories and prioritization to engaging with all the other C-levels with the board and, and uh, driving the product strategy. And that's not those are not skills that really happen overnight. No, it's a big step. Yeah. Going from user stories to, uh, to board meetings. <laughs> and, and in the growth phase, ideally, you don't want to trial and error on, on many of these things because the impact, uh, it's quite, um, it's, it's quite, um, it's quite essential on, on, on the company. So that's one, I guess, one thought um, on the organization. So bringing in experienced people that can can really grow and and take that more um, management role within the product org. Um, if you're concerned that you have a senior product manager that might get a bit um, demotivated because they didn't get promoted, um, I, I look at this differently. You give that senior product manager that has been with the organization through all this time the opportunity to really, really learn the ins and outs 
of, of scaling from someone that has done that and, and then give them a platform to then be the next VP or CPO in, in a different company. So it, um, that would be um, one thought I have regarding um, uh, scaling teams successfully. Um, yeah. The other one that we uh, discuss a lot within our portfolio companies and, and also learn a lot from, from um, the CTOs and CPOs in, in our organizations is how to overcome team dependencies. Um, so it is, in the beginning, I mentioned this autonomy part of, of it, that you want to build a teams that are really able to fully understand what's the business goals they're trying to improve, what's the product goals, and, and they can go and, and go ahead and do that. And in many cases, um, the product teams are built around features. So then if right now you have a team that is trying to optimize for, for the onboarding experience or maybe for the registration experience, you might have a logins as part of that, you might have payment as part of that, you might have different other sort of functionality and there are different teams looking after it and you're fully dependent on those teams now putting on their uh, backlog some of this fun um, um, development work that you need to get done in order for you as, uh, as the onboarding team to, to be able to, uh, to drive the change you want. Yeah. A solution to this is, is changing your approach to what a cross-functional team is. So a cross-functional team is not really a team that has a UX designer and a product manager and a tester and, and a few engineers. A cross-functional team is a team that has all the skills and the functional knowledge to deliver on the customer value. So that team can go ahead and do the changes they need on the um, payment uh, services. They can go ahead and do the changes they need on, on the uh, authentication services. And, and they, they can go ahead and produce the marketing material together with the marketing team. They can work with the legal and do the, all the changes necessary there. And then they can, can release all those pieces of functionality and activate them when, when they will need to do it without all these dependencies. This is something that will become really relevant for organizations as probably once they reach, I don't know, 100 engineers or, or 10 product teams. Once there's such a degree of dependency here that they spend a lot of time in meetings aligning on uh, when we're releasing this and that. Yeah. Um, so the sooner you start having that mindset of cross-functional means full autonomy to build something, grow it and deliver it and follow up on the value, the better will be later on. Cool. Okay. So now we've talked about product strategy. We have talked about uh, roadmaps. We we're talking about scaling teams and organizing teams within the product. But also, I would like to ask you, if we're going to be a little bit scrappy and maybe take some shortcuts, do you have any good growth hacks that you can share as well? Welcome to our world. Uh, <laughs> is it about short-term pain for the long-term gain or is it about the long-term pain for the short-term <laughs> short gain? For yeah, I don't know. Hit us. Um, growth hacks. Um, did I mention that I like frameworks? <laughs> yeah. Do you have a framework for growth hacks? Or? I think that... Um, it's not a framework for growth hacks, but it's it's a framework for how you um, how you hack your growth. Um, 
into uh, by looking at what you could learn again from uh, from the others. You could frame that as uh, stealing with pride, and and that can basically go from how if they have built their freemium page. Uh, if your business is very similar in a way to your business, they have built your freemium page and they see they're very successful. You don't necessarily need to spend a lot of time understanding if that works for you. You can start with that and then optimize from there. So that's that's one of the um, examples of of growth hacking or um, if this company has been successful by um, integrating into a certain platform and that has exponentially growth their their users um, you probably don't need to spend a lot of time figuring out if I should do that you could go ahead and do it so you can um, yeah. if you see something out there that seems to work just do it exactly go ahead and, and, and try it out especially if it's low cost and low effort on, on your side um, I, I think um, a, another um, framework in, in a way for, for growing that, that uh, was successful uh, in, during my time in, in Gelato, it was this understanding that there are rough, rough water times and there are calm water times, which means that if it, this is an exponential growth phase right now, all hands on deck will have to focus our entire development effort on, on, on that. You have really hard deadlines. You're push, everyone is pushing really hard on reaching those deadlines. And you might get a lot of technical depth uh, out of it. But then some calm waters would come in. And here is where it's important to have that, that balance. So then you have time to sweep the, uh, the deck and then do some of the more relaxing uh, work. Um, so knowing how to balance that, you don't always have to do all of them constantly, but you have to do do them at one point, uh, both the uh, rough waters and, and the calm waters. You know, Christina, <clears throat> I think this is great, but Thomas, I think I also know what he's looking for. He, he's a tools geek. Is there is there a specific tool or platform or anything that you think like this is a must-have for all product teams? <laughs> this will make you so much better. Here's a hack. Does OKRs count? Is that a growth hack? <laughs> uh, no, it doesn't count. We're tired of OKRs. Everyone talks about it. Seems good. Maybe works. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, any any tool that allows you to visualize your customer data, that's 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 your go-to. If you don't have that, you should uh, you should start getting and getting data and demo democratizing product data to your. Uh, um, to everyone in your organization, but especially to your product teams and your um, your your development teams. Okay. But I have a tool. Um, if I think about it, um, I call it the parking lot tool. Um, and and not sure if it's a growth hack, but it's definitely a hack to help you uh, to help you navigate all the ideas you might have to to grow. Um, and, and that is, uh, once you have decided as part of your strategy what you want to focus on the next years, it helps a lot to have a parking lot where you put all these other thoughts you have in your head, but you have decided to say no to. Yeah. Um, people like to know that their ideas are still there. Uh, so this parking lot allows you to come back to it regularly and also gives you this peace of mind that... Uh, I have consciously decided not to do that, but I don't forget about it. And it also removes 
unnecessary discussions again and again on uh, how about this uh, this idea are we moving into that um, that space mm, so that that's how people uh, deal with the salespeople we'll put your ideas on the parking lot exactly together <laughs> with your Ferrari but uh, one thing you said another time that I really liked was that you don't need to to you know do full automation and everything you, you can do things more manual to start with right yeah um yeah I, I i'm not sure if uh this is the <laughs> the still with pride part or, or it's more um balancing when you scale with technology and when you um you do things manually if not needed so again you have if you you're in a position where going from zero to one or from uh, one to one, 100, and you don't need to automate those those things. You don't need to optimize and over-engineer for them. Try to do them manually. If it's an Excel import that it's solving your problem right now, taking data from one part of the system and putting it into the other part, and you have an, uh, a person doing that, and your 100x growth means that you have to have two persons doing that, then you don't need to optimize for for it. You can continue doing things manually until your scale factor tells you that um, okay, it's maybe one million x that we need to automate it. Yeah, and maybe it's, uh, until you know the user case uh, even better in detail, so you don't build things that you don't really know exactly how it's going to turn out. So I, I think on product and technology side, we have the tendency to. Um, be right from the first time and to optimize for the uh, 1 million X growth. Um, but um, there's always an opportunity cost and, and you can start optimizing for 100,000 X because this is the growth you're looking at in, in, the, uh, in the next few years and that costs you less. And then you use your resources for a lot of uh, customer features that add more value. And then there comes a time where you have to think how we take this for 100,000 uh, X to 1 million X. But we usually try to optimize from day one, afraid that we'll never get to really get it right, uh, right next time. Makes sense. But uh, great, Christina. Super happy to have you here and talk to us about product. It's been uh, really interesting. And uh, who would you want to have on the show uh, here if we would invite someone? Do I get to be in the show if you invite them? <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe. Uh, do you want to be someone that I know and I can recommend or should be anyone in the world? It's more like the elevator uh, discussion. I mean, up to you. You decide. Anyone you want. Um, I would be... Uh, Really, really happy if you guys get a chance to sit down with one of the co-founders from Stripe okay, uh, and learn some ins and outs of how they um, grew their business to where it is right now. Um, by being very focused on the technology, they didn't have product managers for a long time. Um, and they have this ability of both being excellent in what they're they're building in in a way delighting the the users but also um being very broad in all the topics that they have solved uh, so that would definitely be an interesting uh discussion to to get some learnings from uh, from them and if you would bring someone you knew who, who would that be 
because I talked about product right now, to bridge it a bit on on the technology side, um, I I would recommend the CTO of one of our portfolio companies, Swapi. Okay. Um, he has extensive uh, experience in many of these scaling up teams, both also from technology and architecture perspective. And, and he has a very interesting story about uh, how um, his learnings from scaling, uh, how you scale a team from zero to 20 engineers, from 20 to 50 and from 50 to, to 200. And I think that would be a, a good discussion to have for your, uh, for your listeners. All right. But thank you, Christina. It's been great having you, and uh, I wish you a great summer. See you around. Uh, thank you very much. Same to you, and looking forward to meeting you uh, at your next event. Likewise. Take care. Bye. Bye. Okay, Daniel. So, what's your takeaway from the episode today? You mean besides her loving the way I described what a roadmap is? Uh, you took the textbook to answer. What do you mean? It's, it's the right answer. Yeah, it's the right answer. That's the problem with it. Ooh. It's too good. Don't hate the player, man. Hate the game. <laughs> no, besides that, I mean, obviously, uh, I feel sometimes sales is as far from the product strategy as it deserves or maybe not deserves, but it's, it's obviously not something I am sitting in on a daily basis with. So it's always nice to hear from somebody that spends you know day in and day out in that field and she just shed some lights on how really sophisticated and complex some of these things are it's just not just build a product and let's run with it there's so many things that are intertwined with the rest of the organization that needs to work otherwise at some point you're just going to build a product that doesn't stand uh, on the foundation of the business uh, so I think it was it was interesting to hear her story yeah I know this is a little bit closer to your world Thomas so what's your takeaway no, but I think there were some, some good nuggets in the end also, uh, especially um, visualizing more about the product and the product usage for the whole organization. Uh, usually, you know, you have your dashboards uh, around sales and marketing and so on, but to understand more about how the customers are using your product, I think that's, that's a great thing. And then I just uh, also love, you know, uh, the things where where you uh, you can uh, steal with pride and get a bit scrappy and get uh, things you know don't over engineering things before you you know exactly what you want to do just get things done just get things done that's the name of the game the right customer uh-huh so you listen to me <laughs> speaking about the right customers we also have a bunch of stuff coming up here for all of you guys listening to this i hope you're enjoying the summer but you know soon enough there's a couple of activities that you should not miss out right thomas absolutely so uh don't miss sassiest digital 2022 so you can head over to to the website and uh, we have released almost 30 speakers it's going to be a learning experience like no other and uh, we're going to bring some really good content to you so check that out and uh, and have a great summer awesome take care guys